Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Welcome on this first Sunday after Christmas to Word and Table Liturgical Worship in the Wesleyan tradition. This year we have only one Sunday in the Christmas season, and it is today. I guess it's the shortest season of the year, Christmas if we don't count Advent. Next Saturday is Epiphany, which is a commemoration of the coming of the wise men. We will celebrate uh, Epiphany uh, uh, on, on Saturday but next Sunday is also Baptism of Christ Sunday, as well as our annual Wesley Covenant service. Um, <clears throat> the service will be a bit different from our usual uh, liturgy, but uh, I'm sure it'll be a meaningful time for all of us. Um, But today we are at the midpoint of what we might say 12 days of Christmas from Christmas to Epiphany. Today the Christ candle is lit. Uh, The white pyramids are a reminder to us of the joy of celebrating the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Please take your orders of worship and join with me as we read the greeting responsively. Gentle Mary laid her child lowly in a manger. There he lay, the undefiled, to the world a stranger. God, all-powerful, grant that we may rid ourselves of the works of darkness, that we may invest ourselves with the weapons of light in this life to which your Son, Jesus Christ, with great humility came to visit us. Let us pray. Eternal God, you make us glad by the yearly festival of the birth of your only Son, Jesus Christ. You have given your only begotten Son 
to take our nature upon him and to be born in human flesh. You have caused the brightness of the true light to shine in the darkness of the night. You have poured upon us the new light of your incarnate word. You gave to your son the holy name of Jesus to be the sign of our salvation. Grant that we who joyfully receive him as our redeemer may with sure confidence behold him when he comes to be our judge. Grant that we who have been born again and made your children by adoption and grace may daily be renewed by your Holy Spirit and share the divine life of him who humbled himself to share our humanity. Plant in our hearts, we pray, the love of him who is the savior of the world, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. Our first reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61 and 62. Listen to and for the word of the Lord. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robes of righteousness. As a bridegroom decked with a garland, as a bride adorned herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and a garden causes what is sown to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before the nations. For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of our God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our responsive psalm today is Psalm 148. Please join me as we read responsively. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise the Lord in the heights. Praise the Lord, all his angels. Praise the Lord, all of his hosts. Praise the Lord, sun and moon. Praise the Lord, all you shining stars. Praise the Lord, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, who commanded and they were created. Who established them forever and ever, fixed their bounds, which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all the deeps. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. 
wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth. Let them praise the name of the Lord, whose name alone is exalted, whose glory is above earth and heaven. God has raised up a horn for his people, praise for all his faithful, for the people of Israel are close to him. Praise the Lord. Our third reading is from the letter of Paul to the Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that they might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. The word of the Lord. Please stand as you are able for today's gospel reading. Hear the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke chapter 2. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. They offered a sacrifice according to that which is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. Now. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus, to do for him what was customary under the law. Sibion took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign, that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, 
but worship there fasting and praying day and night. At that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. <coughs> the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. And to those words, I'll add these, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. And all God's people say, Amen. Every year about this time, the first week after Christmas, I read something in our green devotional book, A Guide to Prayer, that rattles me a bit, but I need to be rattled. It's a provocative statement by Max Lucado in his book, God Came Near. Here is how Max Lucado puts it. He, baby Jesus, looks like anything but a king. His face is prunish and red. His cry, though strong and healthy, is still the helpless and piercing cry of a baby. And he is absolutely dependent upon Mary for his well-being. Majesty in the midst of the mundane. Holiness in the filth of sheep manure and sweat. Divinity entering the world and on the floor of a stable. Through the womb of a teenager and in the presence of a carpenter. Meanwhile, the city hums. The merchants are unaware that God has visited their planet. The innkeeper would never believe that he had just sent God into the cold. And the people would scoff at anyone who told them the Messiah lay in the arms of a teenager on the outskirts of their village. They were all too busy to consider the possibility. Those who missed his majesty's arrival that night missed it not because of evil acts or malice. No, they missed it because they simply weren't looking. Little has changed in the last 2,000 years, has it? The omnipotent in one instant made himself breakable. He who had been spirit became pierceable. He who was larger than the universe became an embryo. And he who sustains the world with a word chose to be dependent upon the nourishment of a young girl. 
God as a fetus. Holiness sleeping in a womb. The creator of life being created. Still Max Lucado. God was given eyebrows, elbows, two kidneys, and a spleen. He stretched against the walls and floated in the amniotic fluids of his mother. God had come near. He came not as a flash of light or as an unapproachable conqueror, but as one whose first cries were heard by a peasant girl and a sleepy carpenter. The hands that first held him were unmanicured, calloused, and dirty. No silk, no ivory, no hype, no party, no hoopla. Were it not for the shepherds, that there would have been no reception. And were it not for a group of stargazers, there would have been no gifts. Angels watched as Mary changed God's diaper. The universe watched with wonder as the Almighty learned to walk. Children played in the streets with him. And had the synagogue leader in Nazareth known who was listening to his sermons. Jesus may have had pimples. He may have been tone deaf. Perhaps a girl, girl down the street had a crush on him or vice versa. It could be that his knees were bony. One thing's for sure, he was, while completely divine, completely human. For 33 years, he would feel everything you and I have ever felt. He felt weak, he grew weary, he was afraid of failure, he was susceptible to wooing women, he got colds, burped, and had body odor. His feelings got hurt. His feet got tired. And his head ached. To think of Jesus in such a light is, well, it seems almost irreverent, doesn't it? It's not something we like to do. It's uncomfortable. It is much easier to keep the humanity out of the incarnation. Clean the manure from around the manger. Wipe the sweat out of his eyes. Pretend he never snored or blew his nose or hit his thumb with a hammer. He is easier to stomach that way. There is something about keeping him divine that keeps him distant, packaged, and predictable. But don't do it. For heaven's sake, don't. Let him be as human as he intended to be. 
let him into the mire and muck of our world. For only if we let him in can he pull us out. Our gospel lesson this morning is about two old people who see the face of God in the face of a newborn in the arms of an unwed mother from Nazareth. Is that any way for God to come among us? We have an old man by the name Simeon and a widow by the name Anna. They were so thrilled to see this baby that they broke out in song and praise. They were somehow convinced that the expected Messiah was right there in front of them. What made them think that this weak, vulnerable baby in diapers was God's promised savior of the world? No heavenly choir singing glory to God in the highest. There was no star of wonder appearing in the heavens. No royal pageantry to blaring music to announce the arrival of royalty. Luke tells us that Simeon was righteous and devout looking forward to the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God with a song that's known as Nunc Dimites, which is Latin and it means now dismiss, now dismiss your servant. The first two words of his song of praise. Our scripture in Luke is challenging us to see God at work in our world in unlikely ways, when in fact from all appearances it looks like God is nowhere to be found. The opening verses of Luke 2 describes the world of that day. In those days a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. Augustus is in charge. He's, he rules the whole world. What are the chances that God's Messiah would come into the world and turn the world upside down in the person of some feeble baby born in a manger? And then, as Simeon said to Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce 
your own soul. That doesn't sound too promising. But somehow Simeon is convinced that even when a sword pierces Mary's own soul, when she sees her beloved son hanging on a Roman cross, when everything seems to have come to nothing, it is in those ways that God, God's saving power would be unleashed in the world. As my old college professor Reuben Welsh used to say, when nothing is happening, something is happening. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 4 says something along the same lines. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. I love that little conjunction, but, but God, when the fullness of time had come, sent his son. It tells me that the unexpected and the unimaginable is about to be sprung on us. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. God coming to us wrapped up in rags and lying in a feeding trough to redeem us from all the overpowering forces around us. Isn't that amazing? In the past four weeks of Advent, we have lit the candle of hope and peace and joy and love. Can we be people of hope when we are surrounded with so much sadness, despair, and fears? Is there any possibility of, of people uh, being people of peace when there is so much warfare, violence, political divisions, and family disputes? Can we be people of joy when there is so much sadness and pain all around us? Can we be people of love when there is so much envy and strife? Simeon saw a week old infant in the arms of a teenage mother and a carpenter from Nazareth and burst out with his song of praise to God because as the songwriter put it, little is much when God is in it. Does the place you're called to labor seem so small and little now? No. It is great if God is in it and God will not forget his own.
little is much when God is in it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.